We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. They're going to kill the love of my life. If I don't go back to what I was doing. This Friday. Our line of work is quite brutal and quite ruthless. How far would you go for love? You steal truck, bring it to me. Then you make your money. Is it dangerous? Of course it's dangerous! Nicholas Holt, Felicity Jones, with Ben Kingsley and Anthony Hopkins. All this trouble, all this pain, for love. Collide, in theaters Friday. Rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Geico presents sharing versus oversharing. Earlier this week, Claire Tippins shared a princess nickname generator, three pictures of her dog wearing a tutu, and two online quizzes, including what candy is your dream castle made of? Claire, your sharing has tipped the sugar scale and turned into oversharing. But have no fear, princess. Geico has something worth sharing with your internet kingdom, like how you could save hundreds on your car insurance just by visiting geico.com. No magic wand required. Geico, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, brought to you by DraftKings.com, the leader in daily fantasy sports. Use the promo code ROTOWIRE when you deposit for a free contest entry today. 
I'm Jake Latarski, joined today, as I will always be on these Tuesdays, by Eric Couturier. If you're out there on Twitter, you can find Eric at ETCAT30, and you can find me, Jake, at JakeSki52. This is our second episode of the 2015 season. Normally, once we get into the season, we'll be discussing waiver wire pickups on the Tuesday episode, but today we'll be sticking to some of the breaking news of the day, and we'll also dive into some AFC wide receiver depth chart battles a bit later on the show. Uh, one final reminder here, uh, the podcast is now available for subscription on iTunes and Stitcher, so please leave us a nice review if you happen to be listening on those platforms. So Eric, we're going to start off today with uh, some of the breaking news. Uh, probably most noteworthy here of Tuesday afternoon is the Arian Foster injury. Uh, the latest we have right now is per NFL Network's Ian Rappaport. Foster is almost certainly headed for the short-term IR after he suffered a groin injury on Monday night. And that's going to mean, of course, missing the start of the season, of course, if surgery is necessary. Uh, what, what type of an impact do you see this uh, happening uh, for the Houston Texans? And uh, also, do you think they sign someone or they go in-house? Where, where are we heading here? Well, I mean, first of all, we kinda, we should maybe discuss this injury pass because we, we all see this coming. Like, mm-hmm. There's always a risk uh, that when you draft Foster, you're going to have to deal with some type of injury. So going back to 2011, he had orthoscopic surgery on his right knee to repair a torn meniscus. He had surgery just after the 2010 season. And then he aggravated that injury before the 2011 season, missing three games. Then we come to 2013. He has a ruptured disc in his back, miss, misses the last half of the last half of the season. Then last year, he finally came down with his groin injuries. For the first time in his career, he actually had a groin injury, and now this seems to be the natural extension of that. Like mm-hmm. he's having yet another setback with his groin. So you always have to keep that in mind when you are drafting him of course but yeah when it comes to like a free agent pickup in the near future i'd probably see them bringing in maybe two or three veterans and whoever has the best workout that guy will get a chance with the team Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely there's a lot of good uh, names on the waiver wire right now at least recognizable names some you know you might say these guys are washed up guys like chris johnson pierre thomas if they consider giving Ray Rice a second chance, uh, maybe even Steven Jackson, who's kind of on the downswing of his career. So, I mean, there there is one guy, too, that actually has experience in the system, um, Ben Tate. Oh, like, of course. He, he's actually sitting out there. I mean, I won't take a chance on him personally, but you never know. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe he's been working his butt off this offseason and, and is actually in shape. Yeah, of course, uh, Ben Tate with the Browns for a little while last year, eventually released. Vikings yeah, well. back to the Vikings. So <laughs> he's still around in the league. Uh, what kind of shape he's in remains to be seen, but we never know. Uh, what about the in-house options there? Uh, Alfred Blue, just a quick note. He also he left Monday's practice on a cart, but uh, they're downplaying that is not serious. Uh, and he's been diagnosed with just a simple leg cramp. So this is a matter of a couple of days as opposed to Foster's a couple months. And just a note, when you're reading Rotowire's notes and see them, that there are cramps going on, that's like probably the most common injury happening to these players just because they're mm-hmm. dehydrated. They're not used to how they should be hydrating themselves. And also it's just one of those injuries that will happen when you suddenly ramp up your activity level. Yeah, absolutely. Dealing with the heat of August, uh, yeah. dehydration is so always... don't worry too much about blue, in yeah, my opinion. <laughs> exactly. But uh, looking down their depth chart, I mean, we're looking at, uh, of course, Alfred Blue, Jonathan Grimes might even be an option. Um, Chris Polk uh, has gotten some attention, of course, with Philly last year, Kenny Hilliard. So so Chris Polk actually came down with a hamstring injury in today's practice. Oh, boy. So here, so here we <laughs> so go that's, again. He's, he's like one of the... Yeah, so now that they're down to pretty much Jonathan Grimes in practice today. Yeah, so they seem to be really shorthanded there. Of course, 
Arian Foster, 28 years old. You mentioned his injury history. Uh, just uh, the overall carries. I mean, uh, last year he carried the ball 260 times. His first three year, years of prominence, 327, 278, and then 351 carries in 2012 there. So uh, it's really no surprise that we're seeing this happen. Oh, no doubt, yeah. Exactly. And, uh, yeah, he's only 28, by the way, mm-hmm. and yet another perhaps – season afflicting injury not season ending of course but with the short-term IR if he is put on that he's not gonna be able to come back till mid-season I believe at the earliest Mm -hmm. of course I know a lot of people stayed away from him last season but last season was arguably one of the better years of his career probably best since uh, 2012 when he uh, had over a thousand yards rushing 1246 eight touchdowns and then 4.8 yards per carry was his best average uh, since 2010 so uh Owners that were willing to take the risk last season and uh, gamble on a guy with that type of injury history, they were definitely rewarded. But now he's going to fall way down draft boards. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, for me, I've got him. Uh, he was a top 30 player before. I have him outside of my top 50, 60 overall, but I'm probably going to have to move that down even more. I'm for just sure. waiting on the confirmation once, he's, uh, once the surgery becomes official, and it'll probably be a matter of months. And then on blue, I just looking at where I adjusted him. He all of a sudden becomes a top 100 player for me, and we'll see, wait and see how that shakes out in camp. For, for sure, I agree with that. Okay, so we're gonna move along to a little bit, a couple more running back news. Neither of these uh, as headline newsworthy as Arian Foster, but uh, I want to talk about a rookie out of Detroit, Amir Abdullah. Uh, the early indications is that he's been really impressive in uh, the early stages of camp. Uh, if you're drafting today or this week. Uh, where do you take him against a guy like uh, Joyke Bell, who uh, kind of opened some eyes last year, had a handful of touches there, but uh, also currently uh, on the on the, on the pup list after uh, some Achilles tendon and knee procedures that went down in January. So how do these two guys stack up uh, on your draft boards? So actually, uh, you pointed me to the NFFC um average draft position board mm-hmm. and on that right now uh, Abdullah is actually 28 whereas Joyke Bell is 23 so they're actually rather close right now and I can I can see that especially with Joyke Bell's uh, uh, recovery from surgery on his Achilles and uh, what was it knee as well right yeah, meniscus uh, yeah meniscus tear um, or was it a meniscus oh, tear? Nope, just it just a, says a minor knee tendon procedure. That's so what I was going to say. A meniscus is a knee tendon, but yeah. I guess we don't want to jump the gun yeah. there with uh, classification. But the fact that he's still recovering from those is maybe a little cause for concern, but it makes sense, too. You don't want to, like, suddenly throw him into the fray, and then he has a setback early in training camp. So uh, I wouldn't be too concerned about Joik right now. But on the other hand, he doesn't have uh, Reggie Bush behind him a guy who is injury prone. He has a young and spry running back mm-hmm. uh, in his first professional season. So it's probably a good idea to take a chance on him. I, I don't, I don't want to say like where, what round or anything yeah. like that, mm-hmm. but we also know that he has good hands. On the other hand, he has pass protection issues. So he might be a two down back rather than a three down back if he's anything. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And of course, coming uh, from Badger country right here in Madison, Wisconsin, we saw plenty of Amir Abdullah at Nebraska against Wisconsin and got to see yeah. a little bit more of what he was all about. Um, Indeed. Yeah, but back to Joyke Bell last year, uh, carried the ball a career high 223 times, 
for another career high 860 touch or 860 yards mm-hmm. with seven touchdowns, eight touchdowns the year before. So 15 in the last two seasons looks to be heading in the right direction. But with the more with the increased carries, his actual Joy Bell's yards per carries have actually dropped a little bit down to 3.9. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to I'm going to go out, maybe not go out on a limb, but uh, say that those you mentioned that Bell's ahead of uh Abdullah in ADP right now mm-hmm. um, I'm going to say that those two as we get closer and closer to the start of the season they start to get closer together if not switch so I mean mm-hmm. I mean I mean right now I, I look at Amir Abdullah as the higher upside pick if you're yeah. trying to you know maybe you already have a couple running backs and you're, and you're trying to build depth on your team you know championship rosters always do that you, you know how uh, Jeff uh, Erickson puts out his weekly rankings every every week during the NFL season yes uh, this is just one of those battles where you're going to see these two running backs probably situated about 20 to 24 every single week. So it's going to be kind of a toss-up, like who you throw out in a given week. It'll depend on health for Bell and just how Abdullah is actually transitioning to the professional game. Yeah, exactly. And fantasy owners, I'm sure, are hoping anyone that dealt with the situation like Crowell, Terrence West, in Cleveland last year, that's just a, it's a nightmare situation to deal with because yeah. you just never really know. Do you draft one or both of those guys as insurance? Uh, have one hopefully get lucky. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, one of the dilemmas of fantasy there. Uh, and then, of course, Theo Riddick's still on that uh, depth chart, maybe gaining a little momentum in uh, PPR formats, maybe as yeah. a pass catcher, or can you probably safely disregard him in your standard 12 team? Oh, for standard leagues, yeah. I would. He would only be an option if the top two guys are actually sitting out that week. Yeah. Uh, so in yeah, in a deeper league, I don't want to say maybe sixteen teams, something like mm-hmm. that. That's maybe the point where you consider him for a flex position. Yeah, exactly. I'm thinking uh, like we are going to do a sixteen team office draft coming up here within the next couple of weeks, and you know if it's it's a half point PPR, so that I don't know, maybe I'm half interested in Riddick as one of my last picks. It's it's, it's that's tough to the tell. way to be half interested, <laughs> half interested, I guess. Yeah, but exactly at this point, not really going out on a limb to. Uh, draft him now if it was if it were the opposite on abdullah and we were getting reports that instead of him being really impressive that maybe he was having a tough time adjusting or or, or picking up the offense or something like that then maybe i give riddick a closer look or of course if either of those two guys if joik bell once he does get uh, fully practicing again if maybe he re-aggravates something then you, then you maybe look to riddick but uh drafting today drafting tomorrow I, I don't really see any reason to go after a guy like that in your standard formats all right. Uh, one more running back uh, situation uh, kind of dis- discuss a little bit today. Uh, got a report from the Tampa Bay Times uh, looking like Doug Martin will be the front runner uh, basically for the lead backfield spot in Tampa Bay. Um, you know, And th- this is coming directly from uh, Coach Levy Smith's mouth, too. This isn't just some uh, beat writer, um, you know, guessing at what might happen in this uh, job battle. Uh, it looks like Martin is the lead dog at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember last year thinking, uh, okay, this, this is a, a bounce back year for Doug Martin. I'm going to be able to get some value at him as maybe a late third round pick uh, last year. Of course, that didn't work out for me so well in the yeah. uh, in the leagues where I attempted something <laughs> like that. Uh, he was never really much of a factor last season. Of course, uh, guys like uh, Bobby Rainey getting a lot of the reps there and, and eventually Char- uh, Charles Sims down the road here. Um, I guess basically, Eric, are you are you buying this report here? I mean, Martin just 134 yards for or 134 carries for 494 yards, only two scores, average of just 3.7 a carry. Um, what do we think? I mean, if Lovey Smith says so, are, are we buying it, or do you think guys like Sims and Rainey can take reps from him again? Well, Martin did leave a good taste in Lovey Smith's mouth last year at the end of last season against the Panthers in Week 15. He ran. 
14 times for 96 yards. And in week 17 against the Saints, which this probably isn't that difficult to do, but against the Saints, he went 19 for 108. Mm -hmm. So he did uh, hit nearly 100 yards in two of the last three weeks there. So, I mean, that that is a good sign at the very least, mm-hmm. and possibly building momentum after coming back from the injuries that he dealt with last year. Those were yeah. the only two games of the year actually where he uh, where he averaged over five yards a carry, and then of course in between them was Green Bay, ten carries for seventeen yards, and you don't really think of the Packers <laughs> as having the most stifling run defense yeah. either. So, yeah. but but I like it is a good uh, a good taste that he left in his mouth. So possibly uh, carrying that momentum over. Yeah, and we're not saying he's going to bounce back to his rookie season when he had 319 for 1,454 yards and 11 touchdowns. That's pretty much out of the question. But especially with, like, Charles Sims there behind him to spell him, especially Mm -hmm. in pass catching situations. I mean, Martin's not known as a pass catcher anyway, but I I just – okay, here's the one good thing about Martin. He has a rookie quarterback on his side. So Mm -hmm. I can see them – using Martin to relieve the pressure on Jameis Winston, mm-hmm. kind of relying on him or on the early in the early going. And if he actually does get some steam rolling, I guess, then I could see them actually relying on him more as the season goes on. Yeah, and uh, of course, uh, we mentioned Charles Sims a couple times. Don't want to count him out uh, completely. He didn't really take the field until week nine last year. But, uh, you know, you say that he's more of a pass-catching threat, but uh, his season high in receptions was four last year. Yeah. Um, just because of the, the Martin history, and, and maybe he doesn't quite have it, uh, I mean, Charles Sims is absolutely worth a look, especially in those PPR formats, right? Yeah, and this is a small sample size, of course, of Sims last year, but he only averaged 2.8 yards per carry. Yeah, definitely <laughs> something to look at. Uh, yeah, for sure, when you're looking at Sims. He is being taken and drafted still. Actually, this is kind of funny. I'm looking at NFFC ADP right now, and, and real quick, a note on that is uh, these are some higher stakes leagues, and a lot of drafts have gone down already. That's why we like to look at that uh, oh, over other sites a little bit. That's interesting. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not sure what the entry is, but I think uh, you know somewhere two to four hundred, uh, something like that. Uh, and so, at least you take the drafts as reliable as of you know whether you go on a mock draft free mock draft site and people are trolls and screwing up the data <laughs> but uh so we think of this a little these more are reliable serious, yeah like serious yeah. fantasy football players but anyway uh the adp right now actually has doug martin and charles sims neck and neck doug martin at 38 charles sims at 39 and this and is among running backs this too. Is, yeah this yeah. is among running backs not overall and so uh the adp data says right now that they're in the same group as guys like Legarrette blunt darren mcfadden Duke Johnson, Ryan Matthews, Bishop Sankey. I mean, I think I put Martin uh, ahead of most of those guys. I'm not real yeah. big McFadden fan at this point. Uh, Legarrette Blunt, maybe if it's non PPR, I lean towards him. But who knows with New England? I mean, do you think uh, you think those two will grow apart? Do you think they're both on the rise? Like, how would you describe their stock? And we're just talking about the Bucks guys. Yeah, the Bucks yeah. guys. I mean. Uh, just the way Martin finished last season, his veteran status, the fact that Lovey Smith is actually, you know, in his corner right now, I, I would kind of take those three things and say, yeah, he's he's going to be the starting running back in Week One, and l- the fact too that, like I said, he has a rookie um, quarterback be- or in front of him, I can definitely see them kind of relying on the running game to let. Jameis actually ease into the league mm-hmm. and Jameis has no shortage of weapons uh yeah just for the record you know with guys like Mike Evans and Vincent Jackson out there I think Safarian Jenkins takes a big step up in his uh sophomore year 
in yeah. the NFL. So no lack of weapons, but especially early on in the season, I could see them, uh, you know, running the ball 30 to 40 times a game and Martin getting the majority of those carries. Yeah, that'd be great. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. So uh, last bit of, I guess, major news is it uh, looks like Sam Bradford will head over to Philadelphia. He's in talks of a contract extension with the Eagles. Um, I, I guess just a couple things here. Are we really buying him as the long-term solution there? And also, how do you think of him uh, from a fantasy perspective, I guess, in 2015? Uh, where are you thinking about taking him possibly as a quarterback one in deeper formats? Or are, are we kind of staying away from having to rely that heavily on him? I mean, you, you have to like the fact that he's in Chip Kelly's offense and every quarterback that he touches, you know, turns to gold. So that that's always a good thing. On the other hand, he has the... Uh, two ACL injuries within a, you know, what, 10-month span or whatever. And he hasn't actually taken the field in 23 weeks once week one rolls around this year. So <laughs> there are a lot of things to the negative as well. So I don't go Yeah, ahead. I mean, I like uh, – I, it's just like if you're playing daily fantasy. I know that's going up uh, in popularity a lot lately, but – Pace is such a huge thing. You, when you, I mean, I know you're an NBA guy, Eric. Uh, mm-hmm. you, you, when one of the biggest factors you can choose when looking at your NBA DFS lineup or my, uh, I'm, I'm also the college editor, so I look at the same thing uh, when I'm trying to do a college DFS lineup. But pace of play, there's more opportunities, and I think that's part of the reason why Chip Kelly's offense it's going to run more plays than any other offense in the NFL. Right. So even if uh, Bradford has 20 incompletions. That doesn't mean that he won't have 30 completions because of how they run that offense. Well, I think one thing that uh, Chip Kelly liked when he made this uh, transaction is the fact that uh, Bradford actually had his best seasons, well, not professionally, but as a collegian uh, at Oklahoma. And Oklahoma then uh, actually employed, I believe, the Eagles' current offensive coordinator. So there is that connection. Mm -hmm. And also they ran a fast-paced offense. I mean, dink and dunk. For the most part, but they they move the ball down the field like that, like the snap of a finger, mm-hmm. and that's pretty much what we've seen Chip Kelly do at Oregon, and and it continued on with the Eagles too. So, I mean, there are a lot of things to like about it, but uh, do you want to bring up uh, his NFFC um, ranking right now? Yeah, I was gonna. Well, I was gonna talk where I personally have him ranked sure. in my uh, in my aggregate rankings. Uh, actually, check out on RoadWire.com either uh, tomorrow or the next day. We're posting our aggregate uh, standard rankings. Uh, myself and five other uh, football experts have uh, our own top 200, and then what we do is we combine them together to uh, form an aggregate 200, and then you can see who's the highest, who's the lowest, and. Uh, it's just a cool tool because it gets you a lot of perspective. But uh, a free preview of mine, I have got uh, Sam Bradford just behind guys like Colin Kaepernick and Eli Manning, but just ahead of guys like Joe Flacco and Teddy Bridgewater. And based on that information, I'm a little bit higher on him than his NFFC ADP mm-hmm. because they, NFFC right now has him as the 19th-ranked quarterback overall. And behind all four of those guys, yeah. too. And, and be, Yeah, exactly. Behind all four of those guys, Manning, Kaepernick, Flacco, and Bridgewater. It's still, I think all of those guys are in a very similar tier, but I feel like I'm definitely a little bit higher on them because of that pace factor, and, and I'm sure these owners are taking that into play, but just personally, I drafted Nick Foles in a, in, a, in a PPR league. I guess that doesn't matter for quarterbacks, but I drafted Nick Foles in a league last year, and when he went down, I picked up Mark Sanchez, and there wasn't really a noticeable difference. I mean, Sanchez had a couple major dudge, duds, but at the same time, like, you know, if I threw out a Sanchez-Matthews combination towards the end of the year, like come playoff time, yeah. it was working well for me, and, and yeah. I know and I know that Sam Bradford 
pre-injury stuff is, is, is significantly better than both Foles and Sanchez, in my opinion. So yeah. getting a better quarterback in that, in that pace of offense uh, makes me probably a little bit more uh, optimistic on him than most. And I guess one thing to like, too, is the fact that he's actually being, or a short-term deal is being discussed right now. So that means that he might, in the near future, actually have some... Uh, um, Stability? Yeah, stability. Like somebody actually standing up for him in his corner. Yeah, that would be helpful. But at the same time, as a fantasy owner, I want him going out there with something to prove. Yeah, and that's try, a good trying point. to earn that big contract. What if he holds off on a deal, throws for 4,000 yards and 30 touchdowns this year? Then all of a sudden, yeah. he, the guy's the answer. I mean, yeah. that would make him a top 10 quarterback, top five maybe heading into next year. But that's getting way ahead of ourselves right now. <laughs> I, think, uh, I think the general consensus is a QB2 right now. But in a deeper format, if you're going 14, 16, I think there's I I wouldn't be the most comfortable. I'd be drafting another quarterback shortly afterwards as an insurance policy. For but sure. uh, I I could take a chance on him as my QB one. I, I feel yeah. faithful enough. Just again, system. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Okay, so uh, we're gonna get to some quick hits uh, on the news here. Uh, just a few things that popped over the wire that we're not gonna go too in depth about. Uh, first off, uh, Justin Blackman not expected to return to the Jaguars this year. Uh, not too many surprises there. Do you see any kind of NFL future for him? I mean, it seems to be over here. Like, we're not hearing any good news on that front, or any news, really. Yeah, it, it, news has been sparse for sure, of course, uh, if and when he does come back. Uh, everyone knows what he's shown in the past, but possibly not there. Uh, Devontae Parker from Miami, he remains without an estimated uh, return uh, to training camp. He had foot surgery on June 5th. I'm guessing he's going to miss some time in the regular season, uh, not a ton. We'll go further into the Miami receiver situation later. Uh, from the Saints camp, Marcus Colston removed from the physically unable to perform list. Another situation where there's not a lot of news there that we just have undisclosed as an injury, so we're not quite sure what landed him there. Again, a veteran. I mean, uh, yeah. it, that's probably just more conditioning than anything. They don't want him to like suffer any random setback early on in training camp. Yeah, especially uh, the, the veteran that he is. Uh, yeah. um, and then a couple of Chicago Bears wide receivers dealing with some minor issues. Uh, Kevin White, another rookie, uh, dealing with a shin injury. No timetable for a return to practice, really. Uh, Elshon Jeffrey is said to be dealing with a, quote, minor, unquote, AC joint injury. Uh, that's in the shoulder. Uh, if you if you remember, I know Jordan Cameron dealt with an AC joint injury early on in the year. So that does make people panic, but they are stressing that it's minor. So I don't feel like there's any reason to adjust your, your outlook or your draft position so, for yeah, either of these guys. So Jay Cutler is down to the likes of Eddie Royal, Marcus Wilson, the Mark Mariani right now. Yeah, Eddie Royal will be the hottest waiver wire pickup week two this year, and then he'll fizzle out by week four, just like oh, yeah. has happened the last yeah, several you're years. Right. He'll, he'll have four touchdowns between week two and week four. Mm-hmm. Someone will blow 25 and fab money on him, and then it'll be uh, it'll be game over from that point. Right. All right. Well, football season is just a few weeks away at DraftKings.com. DraftKings.com is America's favorite one-week fantasy football site where you can win enormous cash prizes every week. Last season, eight players won a million dollars in just one day playing fantasy football. Don't just dominate your season-long leagues in 2015, but also play one-week fantasy at DraftKings.com. Head on over to DraftKings.com now and enter promo code ROTOWIRE for a free contest entry today. DraftKings.com. Bigger events, bigger winnings, bigger millionaires. Enter ROTOWIRE for free entry now at DraftKings.com. That's DraftKings.com. 
DraftKings.com. So uh, speaking of DraftKings, have you seen their ad for week one? I think they're giving away $2 million as their biggest prize in week one this year. Yeah, I think it's grown enough where it's, yeah. about, uh, it's about time to do that. And I can't, I can't <laughs> even imagine. Uh, I know every lineup looks great on paper when I put it. Uh, yeah, but no I, the, luck, the luck's <laughs> been a little bit hit or miss there. But uh, $2 million, that uh, changes things quite a bit. Yeah, exactly. I'd probably still work at RotoWire if I had two, <laughs> an extra $2 million. Who knows, man? I like it. Just like live wherever you want. Yeah, you know, exactly. Just not have to worry about money for a while. I'm have sure. the phone calls coming into your uh, <laughs> exactly front property. Exactly. I'm sure. Uh, yeah, I'm sure uh, the two million would last a while. I'm sure they tax that quite a bit. But uh, yeah. yeah, I can't. I can't only imagine. But of course, not even just the high stakes. You can build your bank rolls with the, with uh, any kind of uh, you know contests. And if you need some help looking for that week one DraftKings lineup, uh, definitely don't hesitate to go to rotowire.com/free or rotowire.com/pod for a free ten day trial. Just throwing in a shameless plug there. We have tools like the lineup optimizer and value reports that can really get you going. And, uh, and are the majority of our uh, daily lineups action, or daily articles rather for football free articles that anybody can view? Yeah, a lot of the uh, the DraftKings picks articles. Yeah, yeah the, the, those are those are free. So uh, you know whether you're a subscriber or not, or whether you're on the fence, uh, it's absolutely worth checking out. Uh, definitely. So. Through with the shameless plugs, as promised here, we're going to uh, move on to uh, some wide receiver depth chart battles in training camp. And uh, this week, we're going to focus primarily on the AFC. Uh, if we get an opportunity to go into wide receiver depth chart battles uh, next week, Tuesday, we'll, we'll try to pick out some NFC teams for you. But um, we're going to start today with the Pittsburgh Steelers, an offense that a lot of people are hyping up, especially their quarterback, Big Ben, giving them a lot of, uh, I guess, hype. They've certainly got the offensive weapons now that Le'Veon Bell's uh, down to a two-game suspension there. But like I said, we're going to focus a little bit more on the wide receivers here. Of course, led by Antonio Brown, uh, number one on a lot of people's draft boards after the season he had last year. But then after Brown, it gets a little bit, um, I don't know, a little bit convoluted there because... Uh, Martavis Bryant's been getting a lot of hype, but uh, Big Ben came out the other day in support of Marcus Wheaton, uh, saying that he's poised for a breakout season and that he might even start over uh, Antonio, uh, or I'm sorry, not Antonio Brown, but uh, uh, Martavis Bryant in those yeah. two wide receiver set, uh, sets. There, um, do you, do you find this valid? Like, how do we how do we really see this playing out, or do we just need more camp and preseason time to really to have an idea? Well, one thing that is helping uh, Wheaton's cause right now. Not to mention whatever he did in the offseason to improve mm-hmm. uh, from his rookie season. But Bryant right now is dealing with a skin infection and is actually out the next at least 10 days. So, th- so that means uh, Bryant is going to miss the Hall of Fame game against the Vikings on, I believe it's August 9th. Meaning we're going to get to see Wheaton, that featured number two role across from Antonio Brown. So we're already going to see that right away. And uh, we're hearing that Wheaton has been working on the outside in two wideout sets. And he's actually moving inside on three wideout sets, so he's actually he actually has the versatility to be in there like all three downs right now, which I I think that bodes well for him. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, Martavis Bryant way higher up uh, in terms of ADP and just most people's rankings, and rightfully so after after his big seasons last yeah. year. But one of the things that we wanted to caution on, especially I remember doing the waiver wire podcast last year with Adam and uh, talking about Bryant after his big weeks, is he is I mean he didn't get. A, a a ton of targets in any week eight was the most he had in the game and uh he actually uh 
let's see, he never had more than five receptions in a game. So I think Martavis Bryant, the risk with him is he's very touchdown dependent. Yes. Uh, they do like to look to him in the red zone because, I mean, let's just compare physiques here. Uh, Martavis Bryant, 6'4", 211. Marcus Wheaton, you're looking at 5'11", 182. So Wheaton mm-hmm. may be more of a possession guy where, where Bryant's the guy you look to uh, in the goal line. But, uh, I mean, because of this, do we see Wheaton gaining steam, at least in the PPR formats? Oh, most definitely. Uh, yeah, like it's a great point that you're bringing up with Bryant, like how he's so touched on dependent, and also the fact that he averages 21.1 yards per catch as in his rookie season last year on only 49 targets. Mm-hmm. I mean, we see all the big plays that he puts up, but then he has, uh, you know, a handful of duds. Like uh, I remember some of these that I was try- trying to rely upon, like against Tennessee last year. Uh, midseason, he had two catches for 11 yards. Next week, he has one catch for 23 yards. So when you're trying to like make a like uh, run for the playoffs, like when you have those type of performances, it makes you like be wary the next season. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lesson to be learned here uh, when you're playing daily on a site like DraftKings as well, because you can't always chase those big performances. You see, you know, 143 yards and one touchdown there. Uh, that was his highest targeted game of the year against the Jets, which are generally considered to be a pretty good pass defense. You see that and you think, okay, he's going to keep it up. Uh, I mean, you're going to have to pay a premium price to get him in your daily lineups the very next week, and maybe chasing that isn't the way to go. And I'm sure a lot of owners paid uh, for that. But then, again, you go down the road uh, to Cincinnati a few weeks later and he gets another 100-yard touchdown game. But then after that, the best game of his of his season was 61 touchdowns in, in Week 17. So, it, it, it's really tough, uh, especially in daily, especially with these young guys uh, that are that are inconsistencies. Almost a better tournament game than a cash game play, just because of the the higher floor, but maybe not so high of a ceiling. Yeah, that's that's a really good point, actually. Um, I mean, when you're looking at rookie stat lines and game logs too, you can't take a whole heck of a lot out of it just because they are rookies. They're going to have mm-hmm. ups and downs, and once they're they're not showing that consistency, um, I don't know. Like when it when it comes to Wheaton, like. I'm probably lean a little higher toward him than Bryant right now, but I want to actually see it in the preseason too. Yep. Yeah. This is one of those situations that could absolutely uh, benefit from just a little seeing how the offense runs in action in the preseason. Um, before we move on to another uh, little bit of a convoluted cloudy receiver situation, Antonio Brown, a lot of people uh, have him number one on their draft boards. If, uh, if you're drafting first in a PPR, do you take him or are we looking to a running back? <laughs> I don't mean to put you on the spot here, uh, but you know, I just see him at number one in a lot of cheat sheets, number one receiver in terms of ADP. Um, so you're saying like uh, amongst all players, all players. Who, who you I mean, can you make a case for him at number one at least? I mean, I'm I'm a guy who is anti running back early. Like yep. I, I I'm gonna wait. I'm, I mean, I don't want to give away all my secrets to a guy I'm gonna be competing against in <laughs> leagues here. But I am more often than not going to lean toward you know wide receiving threats over running backs early. Yeah. Uh, on the other hand, if I have one of those top five picks, of course I'm going to take a, you know one of those lead dogs. So mm-hmm. I would probably. I mean, the fact that what Le'Veon Bell is missing the first two games would make me lean toward Brian over him, of course. Yep. Um, but if Letty, Eddie Lacy's sitting there, I'm taking Eddie Lacy. Mm-hmm. I feel like, oh, yeah, that's tough. Eddie Lacy's uh, definitely top three on both of my boards. And in a PPR league, now that Bell's suspension's been reduced to two, I'm almost uh, certainly taking Bell. Uh, but I do, I can see how Brian... Oh, or, you're asking specifically about, about PPR. Oh, or either you, or, I guess. I, are, are there oh, okay. situations where, where we could? Um, well, I mean, <laughs> Brown's high volume... 
yep. makes you want to lead toward him in any PPR format, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, even even over say like Lacey and Bell, I, I what do you think? I mean, I I think I'd almost have to take a running back if giving the first. I can see the safety of Brown, but yeah. in a PPR, I'm I'm going to be very inclined to go to Le'Veon Bell, but just because yeah. of the way he catches balls out of the back, even with the two less games. Yeah, even with okay. the two less games, okay. I'm totally cool with that. Just because you're not going to, it's I have a hard time believing that many running backs are going to be able to match uh, that type of production. Right. If it goes to non PPR, then I'm leaning towards more towards Lacey or or Adrian Peterson, and and probably not really taking Brown too much, but. Uh, Okay. Yep. But there you have it, folks. Of course, Brown, number one, far and away. Maybe Marcus Wheaton's a little bit closer to Martavis Bryant than most people are thinking. So we'll leave the Steelers with that. Uh, now we'll kind of head on to uh, the Cleveland Browns here. And man, they're absolutely just a mess. They bring in Dwayne Bowe, Brian Hartline during free agency to make the core look better on paper there. But uh, <laughs> I mean, I just, yeah. yeah. Okay. So how is this going to break down? Uh, we have, like you said, Dwayne Bowe. Brian Hartline coming into the fold. Uh, was Hartline there? He's he's joining the fray this season. He's right? joining this yes. year. Yep. Okay. Andrew Hawkins was brought and on. He's the last holdover. Year. Yep, yeah. Exactly. Okay. Hawkins so, was brought on last year. Okay. okay. Um. Well, I guess I, I covered the Browns for RotoWire, so I'll, I'll kind of uh, take some of this here. Um. Overall, I, I mean, I'm not confident about their passing game on a whole. I think how I can see it playing out right now would be uh, Dwayne Bowe starting on the outside. I like Andrew Hawkins as more of the slot guy, but I do worry the guy's like 5'9", so he's not, he's not a huge target, especially for a kind of a mediocre quarterback like mm-hmm. McCown. And then uh, Hartline probably in those three wide receiver sets. I think I give the edge to Hawkins over Hartline on the depth chart now. Of course, it's very early. Um, I, I mean, Dwayne Bowe would be someone I would take in drafts, but I don't think I would count on him to be my wide receiver one or wide receiver two this year. I honestly just don't think um, he's going to get that much of a value. Of course, didn't catch a touchdown the year a year ago. And, you know, I, I mean, Alex Smith isn't the greatest, but neither is Josh McCown, so I don't really see too much quarterback baseline changing that production there. Hawkins, I think about in a pre-PR, in a standard, not really. I probably stay away from him. Heartline, I, I'm not taking unless one of those two get injured. So really... Um, not, I mean, there's not much uh, that, that I see going down there. Um, I think long-term potential, uh, don't sleep on Vince Mail in dynasty formats. Uh, the guy was, I mean, very productive at Washington State in 2014, caught over 100 passes in a college season, which is impressive in its own. Uh, 1,483 yards and nine touchdowns in 2014 for Washington State. He's dealing with a little bit of a foot injury, but he's expected to be at or near about 100% at this point, so he should be back on the practice field uh, soon. Uh, and then, you know, kind of going down from there, you just run down the depth chart and any one of these guys has a chance to make the team. Uh, of course, uh, Travis Benjamin and, uh, you know, Taylor Gabriel, guys like that might, um, you know, they were around last year, so they might have an edge. And then, of course, there's Terrell Pryor sitting there currently seventh on our depth chart. Uh, but he's, of course, uh, the former Ohio State quarterback for for those of you uh who think, man, that name sounds familiar, but he's playing wide receiver now. He's switching for uh, to wide receiver, and I, I at the very least want to see him get in a couple preseason games. I'd say he's on the outside looking in for a roster spot right now, but a guy with that athletic ability, you just never know. So uh, actually in the early stages of the camp here, to, does Pryor sound confident one way or the other about actually making the squad? <laughs> I mean, there's a, there's a quote from him today, uh, basically asked uh, if he'll make the team. He said, quote, I pray to the Lord every day and I ask him to just let me make plays for the Browns and 
I, I had to get on quote there. I had to get through that with a straight face because uh, <laughs> just the, I mean, isn't that every little kid's dream to just make plays for the Cleveland Browns there? Um, well, maybe for from Latrobe, uh, Pennsylvania. Uh, no, probably not. Yeah, quite possibly. <laughs> but uh, I, I mean, he's looking for any chance he can get right now. Of course, uh, you're drafting now. It, it would be very unwise to uh, to even to waste your last draft pick on prior. I'd rather take a backup kicker. But uh, it's a good storyline heading into the preseason at the very least. I want to see if he gets targets and, and what, if anything, he's able to do in the open field. Because, of course, being from Badger country, we mentioned that before, talking about Amir Abdullah watching him play for Nebraska. We've seen plenty of Terrell Pryor, uh, probably a lot more than we'd care to have seen uh, playing against the Badgers there. So, yeah, like uh, Josh McCown is leading this offense, correct? Two years ago when he filled in for Jay Cutler. Um, he actually had two great wideout threats, right? Yep. In uh, Elshon Jeffrey and Brandon Marshall. He goes to Tampa Bay. He has kind of the same situation. He has a veteran in Vincent Jackson, a young guy, and uh, yep. um, Mike Evans, and not the same results at all. So, like, which which uh, McCown are we going to get this year? I'm thinking we're going to get closer to that second half McCown, especially with like no legitimate passing threats. Yeah, you, we go, we go back uh, to the Bears with Tressman uh, as the coach there. Just a reputation for working so well with quarterbacks, and mm-hmm. and not not only do we have Jeffrey and Marshall, uh, Marshall, but don't forget about Martellus Martell, Bennett. Indeed, yeah. And uh, I, I know we're trying to stick to, stick towards wide receivers, but I want to mention the Cleveland tight end situation. They signed Rob Hausler as a free agent. They have Gary Barnage and Jim Dre returning from last year, and a couple younger guys brought on to compete during camp. I I don't see any of those tight ends as as a true pass catching threat. Um, yeah, with. Uh Rob Halser is actually coming from Arizona, and mm-hmm. so that's the team I actually cover for the site. And like, you would never think about owning him in fantasy in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, and in, the same falls with Barnage and Dre, even with Jordan Cameron out for most of last season. Neither yeah. of them really had even and, even a single fantasy game worth talking about. Didn't you mention too that you think Mail could eventually, you know, work into that role of a larger wideout in replay? Like yeah. replacing like one of the tight end mm-hmm. options. Yeah, almost in a similar sense that I was talking about Bryant. Now, Mayo doesn't have quite the size of Martavis Bryant. Mayo's 6'2", 225, so still a pretty big guy. Yeah. I think uh, once he's healthy and once he's acclimated with the Cleveland offense there, there's a chance that uh, that he gets some of those red zone looks because, you know, like I mentioned, Andrew Hawkins, 5'9". I think Taylor, Taylor Gabriel, I assume he'll make the team. He's just 5'9", as well. Yeah. Maybe Dwayne Bow gets a, a little bit more involved in the red zone. It's been a while for him. Hartline, not typically thought of as a red zone threat more of an open field move the chains guys so you know if mail gets acclimated i i have a tough time drafting him in preseason drafts but he's someone i'm putting on my watch lists and maybe waiting for that breakout game because i can very much see week four five six you and you and i are doing a waiver wire podcast and and we highlight mail uh, yeah and that podcast that's a good point yeah yeah, something to look at down the road of course you don't really take him in drafts right now unless you're in like a 20 team dynasty format or something like that but um, he'll be, I, I think, I, I've got an inkling that he'll be added as a free agent at some point down the road, just considering the overall, I guess, weakness, you could say, of, of above him and the lack of red zone threats that I had, both the wide receiver and the tight end position. Of course, it's a team that wants to run the ball primarily, but they're going to have to throw at some point. So, yep. you know, why not mail? Yep. All right, we're going to move on to uh, the Miami Dolphins. Uh, another interesting, kind of crowded, uh, I don't know, I want to say ragtag bunch of receivers. You got some veterans, some free agents coming in. Now, I, I'm probably higher than most on Tannehill taking another leap this year. 
But looking down that depth chart, we're dealing with Kenny Stills coming over from New Orleans. Jarvis Landry, he had a role last year, so we at least know a little bit about how he fits into the system. Uh, Greg Jennings, uh, former Packers, so we're both very familiar with him. And, of course, uh, Devontae Parker, who I mentioned earlier in the quick hitters, dealing with a bit of a foot injury there. Um, As far as all of those guys, uh, when we look towards ADP, which we have been several times on the show, uh, Jarvis Landry is the highest uh, in terms of ADP. Um, Do you think he he holds some steady values, maybe a wide receiver two in all formats, or do you maybe just limit that to PPR formats? Um, Probably more toward uh, PPR formats in the early going. Um, Last year, he actually ended the season over his last eight games, averaging nine targets per game. So that's something that you can have in your back pocket when you're going into drafts here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I saw Landry picked up in uh, a lot of my 12-team leagues. Yeah. Uh, I, I run uh, my home team league that I'm the commissioner of is is a 12-team uh, straight one-point PPR format. And Landry was getting a lot of uh, good looks towards uh, the end of that. Uh, you know, even found the touch or the the end zone five times during the season, had the one, two touchdown games. But, yep. yeah, you look, uh, yeah, during his last bunch of weeks, you see eight, or seven, eight, six, eight, eight, five. That's exactly the consistency you need and, in PPR formats. And I've seen studies, too. Like, people say it takes until their third season for wide receivers to truly emerge. But you usually they take that biggest jump in the second season if they're legitimate like you know number one wide receiver threats mm-hmm. so the fact that uh Landry is actually targeted that often he had that type of production i would lean toward him as the like uh legitimate top dog in uh miami right now yeah absolutely and the adp it, numbers agree with you too uh, we're yeah. looking at landry 24 amongst receivers and the next dolphins receiver kenny stills comes down all the way at 47 so uh there's a pretty big gap in there i think i think too stills who is coming from new orleans of course is going to ha- kind of have the same role he had in New Orleans, just kind of that big play over the top threat, more than like uh, getting a lot of targets on a weekly basis. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, of course, uh, Parker, kind of a little bit of a wild card going down yeah. the list uh, with the injury. And then we have Greg Jennings sitting in there. I mean, we can't <laughs> our forget old about buddy. Yeah, our old buddy, Greg Jennings. I mean, he's <laughs> going to be uh, he'll, age 31 season. Um, got a two-year, eight million dollar deal from uh, from Miami. Now I think Tannehill is justifiably, I can say this w- without regret, the best quarterback he's uh, had since Ar- since Aaron Rodgers. Uh, yeah. w- with the whole mess uh, last year, dealing with rookie Teddy Bridgewater, and the year before that with the mi- with the mix. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jennings barely inside the top hundred in terms of ADP. Is there a format where you consider him, or is it just wait and see? I. Because I'm going to say no, uh, straight up. Not not at all. He's one of those, he's on my undraftable list uh, pretty much for this year. He he always brings back good memories, especially with that ridiculous catch he made in the Super Bowl in the 2010s, or after the 2010 season. And the YouTube video where I'm Craig Jennings and he beasts on everyone with a broken leg or whatever. (laughs) Indeed. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's always going to have a special place in uh, your your heart as a Packer fan, but for fantasy purposes this year, like no way. Yeah, no, I'm I mean, not touching him at all. Yeah, I mean, it's not like he's way over the hill at 31, but I just yeah. I think uh, they're going to go to the younger guys ahead of him. Maybe if an injury happens, then something, uh, then it's something to watch out for. But at the same time, yeah. he's probably just as likely to get injured in this stage in his career. So that'll wrap it up probably for the Miami talk there. Um, one other AFC team uh, in the same division here uh, is the Buffalo Bills. Of course, we have Sammy Watkins leading that uh, uh, depth chart or just – the race for targets i assume he'll be targeted the most uh, out of any receiver there in his sophomore campaign um but then after that it starts to get a little bit mur- uh, murky there for the bills 
Um, Percy Harvin, of course, uh, reunited with Coach Rex Ryan, so we uh, uh, they've got a little bit of familiarity there. Um, he's one of the most difficult players to judge for me. And then uh, the next two, Robert Woods, Chris Hogan, both of those guys could eventually find their way up the depth chart at some point. I mean, what's your outlook or expectations for Harvard this year? I, I know it's a, for me, it's a high risk, high reward pick. Um, but, but is there a spot uh, where you, you would consider it? Um, he's, he's somebody that you take a chance on late, I guess. If you, if you mm-hmm. need, if you're like weak on wide receiver, um, we we know going into camp here that he's being groomed for a role on purely on the outside, not just on the outside. So I don't think we're going to see him doing his usual hitches or end around runs or anything like that, being like a dynamic threat. They're I think they're purely going to have him as a as they seem to be saying, just as, as a pass catcher in the offense. So I I mean I guess he's he's competing for that number. That mm-hmm. role across from Watkins, yep. and that's a guy who I would focus on in this offense. Like Landry in Miami, he's going to be the main guy, main man. He's the more all around threat. He had fourteen plus fourteen receptions of twenty plus yards last year, as well as four for forty plus. So he is, I think, just going to build upon that. He had sixty five catches for nine hundred and eighty two yards and six touchdowns last year, averaging fifteen point one yards per for catch. I mean, yeah. that, like that's just the line that you can see being elevated as he progresses yeah absolutely and regarding harvin of course uh so maybe maybe doesn't have the same ppr value that we've uh, thought in years no. past but at the same time lining up in that outside role i kind of well, want to string the conversation back to daily for just a moment because mm-hmm. uh this is one of those players that's probably going to have a lot of games of 10 15 20 yards early on and his price is going to be very very cheap i would imagine but yeah. they'll be I'm guessing there'll be at least one or two weeks this year where he catches a couple bombs in the same game, maybe post a 150 and two touchdowns yeah. on what will likely be a minimum DraftKings salary. Uh, so um, something to watch for in daily. Uh, I would have a tough time owning him. Well, I mean, I wouldn't have a tough time owning him in a league, uh, I think, but I wouldn't count on him as like a wide receiver two or even a wide receiver three or flex uh, just because of the inconsistency there. Um, he could be another waiver wire pickup that we go to uh, at some point down the year if he starts to kind of pick it up. But um, j- just for a, a frame of reference here, I'll name a few receivers that are right around him in terms of ADP this year. Um, I'm look- we're looking at guys like, let's see here, Kendall Wright, Devontae Parker, who we just mentioned, <laughs> Ruben Randall, Terrence Williams, Dante Moncrief, uh, Doriel Green-Beckham. I think a lot of those guys have arguably just as much upside, if not more than Harvin, at the end of the season. Terrence Williams? Yeah, is it? I mean, I I love him a heck of a lot more. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, mean, I even the, like yeah, Ruben Randall. It'll be tough as the third receiver there, but they're know, like who knows? I, I mean, are you looking at the NF, NFFC right? Yeah, just um, the wide receiver rankings I mean, right now. Wow, I'm just trying to give our listeners an idea of the tier that they'd find Harvin in and what kind of choices they'll have to make on draft day. Man, there are some spectacular options there. If I saw like John Brown, Devontae Parker. Terrence Williams on the board like those guys would be well well above uh, Percy Harvin in terms of who I would want to pick at that point yeah absolutely and uh, and of course uh, there's always the chance uh, you can't forget about the quarterback uh, situation that's going on in Buffalo with these quarterbacks and that could very much drastically affect things I'm talking about EJ Manuel (laughs) competing against Matt Castle of course not the cream of the crop in terms of quarterbacks but I, I checked in with our resident office Bills fan before the show, and he said uh, if uh, EJ Manuel wins the job, then uh, Robert Woods could have a you know a much better season than a lot of people are counting on him for, just because hmm. they have that chemistry there. That um, 
about before sense. from last season. So yeah. uh, that's there, and even Hogan has his weeks. Uh, probably not someone you'd think of from a fantasy standpoint, but I mean, you never know. We've heard a lot of things coming out of Bills camp so far. We've heard that Castle is throwing the ball all over the place and not being accurate in any way, shape, or form. And then the next day, he looks spectacular. And he's going to be the front He's clearly the front rotter in the battle. So I think this is just a bunch of smoke and mirrors until we actually see them mm-hmm. uh, log some time in preseason games. We're not re- really going to know. It, it, like, Rex is going to play the best guy for to make them successful this year. Yep. And... Who knows who it's going to be? He's not enti- He's not like beholden to start EJ Manuel. Like he, yeah, Manuel's he been there a few years, and Rex Ryan didn't draft him. He doesn't have a connection with Matt Castle either. But mm-hmm. he, I, I would, I could see him like relying more on the veteran, at least in the early going. Yeah, it's absolutely fun to speculate about this uh, type of thing now. And uh, but I fully agree with you, Eric, that I, I want to see it happen in the preseason. And, yeah, uh, that's with a lot of these quarterback battles. Uh, one last wide receiver battle we'll get to before uh, signing off here. Um, I guess there's no battle for number one here in Houston. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins presumably has that number one role on lock. But uh, some interesting news came out today hinting that uh, Nate Washington might be a front runner for the number two job. And, uh, of course, that's newsworthy because of guys like uh, Cecil Shorts. We know what he's capable of in Jacksonville. And then, of course, rookie Jalen Strong coming into the mix. Uh, are you buying uh, Washington as a as a number two option? And does that even make him fantasy relevant? Or is this just one of those stories that maybe a beat writer stretching a little bit, heading into camp, and uh, we'll see how this comes well, during if the I, preseason? If I look purely at his track record, he's a nine-year vet that's never missed a game. He's really steady. He's averaged 15 yards plus per catch in all but two of his seasons in the league. And while he's only caught five combined touchdowns in the last two years, before that, in his previous seven seasons, he had at least four touchdowns in six of them. So just his track record, it, I believe, makes him the you know leader in the clubhouse for that job. Mm-hmm. And Cecil Shorts has kind of dropped off since that uh, 2012 campaign when he averaged 17 or nearly 18 yards per catch, reached end zone seven times. In the last two years, he's fallen to 11.7 yards per catch and three touchdowns, and 10.5 yards to get to, per catch and one touchdown. So maybe if he was to somehow beat out Washington, he would bounce back a little bit. But I don't really mm-hmm. see it happening. Yeah, I especially mean- sorry, especially since. We don't know who the starting quarterback is going to be still in Houston. Yeah. I, I know they want to figure that out before the mm-hmm. season starts between Brian Hoare and Ryan Mallett, but I, I, I don't know. I, I would just rely on the veteran mm-hmm. more than I would on Cecil Shorts. Yeah, there's a, uh, I mean, a very intriguing comparison to make here between Houston and, and the last team we discussed, Buffalo, because a lot yeah. of this wide receiver stuff is highly dependent on uh, – on you know if uh, Hoyer or Mallet or or even Savage gets a chance to start there, and of course mm-hmm. uh, um, covering the Browns and Hoyer last year, you know didn't really show me much to be to be too optimistic about. Of course, he got ended up getting replaced by Manziel last year, and uh, I think Mallet's maybe got a little bit better track record. There's no question DeAndre Hopkins is uh, is number one there, but I, I'm even worried about his production a little bit because of the quarterback situation. And then after that, I'm looking at uh, the top 200 rankings that, like I said, are coming out on the site a little bit uh, later this week. I had shorts at 153 without Washington in my top 200. Um, I don't feel strongly enough to make a to make a concrete move about that just yet. But uh, it's another one of those things that I, I mean, I'm going to be adjusting these rankings as, as the rest of us uh, will be adjusting them on a week to week basis. And uh, I could very much see myself making that switch at some point. And of course, 
Can't forget about Jalen Strong there, the rookie uh, product of Arizona State. Caught 82 passes for uh, 1,165 yards and uh, 10 total touchdowns uh, last season at Arizona State. So he's got uh, a little bit more of a build, maybe even a red zone build, uh, sitting at 6'3", 212 pounds, 21 years old, so probably pretty raw. Of course, uh, maybe it's not uh, in his rookie year, but of course he's a candidate to get get targets. But uh, I... I, I'm really not uh, outside of dynasty formats. I'm not too high on him. Uh, really thinking that they'll go more towards the veterans, especially with a guy his age. Yeah, I would, I would have to agree with that for sure. Uh, I don't know. After having, uh, I'll just say this: last year's rookie class, rookie rideout class was pretty ridiculous with Odell Beckham, Mike Evans, Jordan Matthews, Jarvis Landry, Martavis Bryant. All those guys yep. had something supporting them to make it. In retrospect, seemed like they would have some success. They all had established quarterbacks, or in Jordan Matthews' case, it was the system he was playing within. So I don't really see that in Houston, uh, especially with the quarterback situation being up for grabs. And I, I guess Bill O'Brien's offense isn't totally you know noted for producing pass catchers yet. Yeah. I mean, I've, DeAndre Hopkins had a pretty dang good year last year, but. Yeah, I, I would say not. Don't really consider him. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe, like you said, in yeah. uh, I mean, dynasty if I'm dra- leagues. Yeah. If I'm drafting t- tomorrow, uh, Hopkins is really the only guy I consider taking on my yeah. team. And like I said, I'm a little bit worried about him compared to some of those other guys. Strong yeah. more for dynasty formats, I guess, which is uh, another thing I've been updating a little bit on the website lately. Uh, check out the dynasty rankings on RotoWire, and uh, also feel free to use our stuff like our Ask an Expert feature there to get going. But uh, All right, so Texans, that's really the last uh, wide receiver. With that, we'll wrap up today's show. Thanks again for listening to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, brought to you by DraftKings.com, the leader in daily fantasy sports. Use the promo code Rotowire when you make your deposit. Also, check out Rotowire free for 10 days by going to rotowire.com slash pod. Nick Whalen and Mike Doria will be back with you on Wednesday.
If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. 